I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here, and we like to offer you hope on this program. I am a huge fan of redemption. I am a fan of justice as well. But, you know, the beautiful thing about redemption is Jesus wraps it all up and he takes something bad. He takes our mistakes and uh, he, he can turn it into something really good. My guest today, his name is Jim Porto, and he has quite a story, a story of failure, a story of redemption, a story of restoration, uh, and you're going to hear it today. And so I invite you to be a part of the conversation as well. If you have questions, throw them in the chat if you're watching live. Judy, good to see you, my number one fan. Uh, And I say fan, that's really not, my number one viewer, that's the better word. I don't have fans. Anyway, uh, you're invited to be a part of the conversation. Uh, If you're watching later, we'd love to hear your comments as well. We read those. If you haven't subscribed, followed, liked, shared, do that now, uh, and you'll be blessed. Jim, it's great to have you on Live Today Live. Welcome. Thank you so very much. It really is great to be here. And let me just say, I'm your fan, okay? <laughs> we'll just get that out of the way. I'll be your fan today. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Moving right along. I, I, I intentionally gave a little short introduction because I, I want to hear your story from you. So take us back to whether it's where you're pastoring or before that, if we need to talk about that. But I want people to understand sort of your your track so they can see maybe why you made some of the mistakes you did, but also how God has really put things back together for you. Thank you for that, Robbie. I, I think this is one of the reasons that we decided, it's one of the main reasons we decided to write the book, um, Hope is Where the Heart Is. And what we wanted to to get people in a mindset of is number one, we're just regular people, okay? Shannon and I are ordinary human beings. I don't think there's anything extraordinary about us as individuals. What's extraordinary about us is that we've survived, but not only survived, I think we have thrived to a place of blessing. And and so in writing this book, we are extremely, we use the word raw, open, raw, and and transparent not about everything, but about about some pretty deep issues and struggles, particularly I had. And so, you know, those started back when 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 I was a child. Um, and a lot of us have issues. So let me be clear about this. We all have struggles we've gone through. We all have things we've dealt with in our past with parents and things like that. Um, so we're not trying to say our story's the better, worse story. What we are saying is that for every name out there, there's a story. And I think today, maybe what you can see is in our story, God's made himself real and made himself true in spite of all the craziness we've done. So, you know, my mom and dad divorced when I was about eight years old. And from that point, we went from what I would have considered at that point to a a middle class type family to my father basically disappearing. Um, He remember he had his own issues he was dealing with. And then mom taking us to really into, we went into poverty. Um, And it was a really tough time. Uh, We eventually made our way to Houston, Texas, and uh, started kind of making life happen there. Um, But when I got to Houston, uh, I was in the sixth grade. um, And when we got to Houston, I think I had already formulated in my mind two very important vulnerabilities. Now, I know I wasn't aware of them, so it's not like I could could voice what they were. But it was very clear in my mind that I was invisible and insignificant to people around me. Hmm. It was something that that moved me. I used to say I was a perfectionist, and maybe you've heard people say that. I don't think I'm a perfectionist. I'm a I'm a pleaser. I wanted to to be accepted and loved, and so I'd work and do everything I could to get to that place. I had to be the best at whatever I was doing. I had to succeed at what I was doing because if I did that, you can't you can't ignore me. You can't um, um, not see me anymore. Where that was exacerbated was. My mom um, just needed people in her life, and it felt like every time she was divorced, she found someone else to remarry. So I have upwards around close to a dozen, but we're, we're looking at 10, 11 stepfathers. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, it's, it, and so <clears throat> let me be clear. My mom is a, is a, is a, is a good human being, uh, but she had vulnerabilities as well and ways she saw herself and saw life. And uh, so if you process me growing up in that home, okay – 
And again, mom's not doing this to us, but when you're in that environment or you're in an environment, it does, you know, affect you. Sure. And so mom is trying to find her peace and find her way. And so a guy comes in and then, um, um, you know, he kind of takes over as the man of the house, so to speak. And then he leaves and mom says something like, well, Jim, can you help me? I need you to be the man of the house. Mm-hmm. Think about repeating over and over and over again. Didn't know it then. As I look back in reflection, I can see that in my mind, and it's not the truth, but perspective matters. In my mind, mom replaced me on a regular basis mm. with someone who was better. <laughs> now, I'm not blaming my mom for anything I did. I want to be clear. I made my own choices. But every one of us have influences in our life, right? Like the wind that blows against your car when you're riding down the road. And this was an influence that was in my life. And so that led to a lot of ways of viewing myself poorly and putting myself in situations that really afforded compromise. Did it ever occur to you or was it ever pointed out to you that that's a hugely dysfunctional environment? Yeah, you know what's, what's, what's peculiar is I've talked to literally thousands of clients as a coach now and I surpassed over about 20,000 hours last year. And in and, and, and finding people as they grow up, a lot of times in the environment, you don't know yeah. that's dysfunctional. Yeah. So, so there was a piece of this. Now, remember, what you don't know can hurt you, okay? So even though I didn't know it, I was almost shocked when people said, uh, and, and not about some of the deeper things, but I was shocked when people said, man, you really have a messed, you had a messed up life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it was my life. I, I didn't know. I didn't have anything else sure. to compare it with. Right, Does right. that make sense? Oh, yeah. But it still plays into what you do, mm-hmm. right? Really? And then when you couple that with, we were surrounded around religion. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, my grandparents, uh, we were like third or fourth generation um, growing up in, in Foursquare and Assemblies of God churches. And and so you had this religious air around there. And there was a mentality that 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 said, God can help us through anything. We need to pray. We need to read the Bible more. I think that became a distraction for a lot of us because we had a mindset if we if we prayed enough and if we read the Bible enough, everything was just going to be okay. I don't know anybody <laughs> that experiences that, but there seems to be like this this over, you know, just just like a cloud that says it's going to be okay. And and so what happens is you get this these things are going crazy in your life. Making, you're making bad decisions, and you think, well, this is not good. I'm just going to pray a little more, or I'll fast for this. And and please forgive me. I'm not putting those things down. Those no. things are real and needed, but they're not the only thing you and I need to do in response to our spiritual growth, our life, our own salvation. Well, I think anybody on the outside would look at that and go, okay, yeah. I mean, being a part of church is great. Being a part of a community is great. Uh, having an attitude that that in you know in the end Jesus wins or he's already won the victory we're we're designed to you know go over not under right to use one of the phrases yeah I I agree with all that fasting and praying and reading your scripture wonderful so obviously there was something missing in this equation something very significant have you managed to put your finger on it well, I, I, I don't think I know it all. Let me be clear. I always chuckle when people are in, are in the middle of something. They say, you know what I've learned? I say, I can tell you what you haven't learned is patience. You better wait till you get through it before we start trying to teach it. So I don't know that I've discovered all of them. Here's what I know for sure about me. One is that I developed a mindset that's not the mindset God has for us about ourselves. And that was that I, um, that I am insignificant, that I just don't matter. And, you know, if you come from that mindset at that bias, everything validates it. Hmm. So if you forget, I ask you to do something for me and you forget and anybody would have forgotten. But you come back to me and I process it through a mind. I don't already matter. And I asked you to do that and you don't do that. So you just prove to me that I don't matter. Let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm just curious. If you think that you don't matter, was there a not even a conscious thought, but sort of just a, a, a position you're coming or perspective that, okay, so if I do this thing, I know that's wrong. It doesn't matter either. I don't know that I ever consciously thought that I have looked back and discovered that there were things I did where I would 
I would deny myself something so someone else could get it. And that way they would, I know this is really perverted, but it's the mindset that, that I recognized I was in at that point. I would do something for someone and, and take care of it. And, and they would be very grateful. And so I would feel good of, about the mindset, about what I was doing. There was never a time when I looked at the bad stuff I was doing and said, well, that's okay because I don't matter. Okay. I, think it, I think it was more of that sometimes, not all the times, is, you know what? I've done all this. People are doing this to me. You know, the victim mentality. I deserve mm. this. Okay. 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 Now, I won't get into the stuff I deserve, <laughs> what I really deserve, right? But you get in a mindset where you feel like you've given, you've given, and then you go, you know, I deserve that. Yeah. And and I think all humans are are excellent at justifying things, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. um, you know, I'm doing this, but that's a major conjunction there, that the but word. And and so I think I, I thought I deserved it sometimes. In addition to that, let me be clear. What I think humans do is overall is we seek the easier route to our healing. I don't think there's anybody out there going, wow, man, I, what's the hardest way I can, I can heal, right? <laughs> right. Um, just rip this scab off. Let's start over. But we're always looking for an easier way, I think, to, to heal. And, and so what happens is I, you circumvent the things in your life you need to do to get better because it's not bringing you the, the healing you want or the feelings you want at that time, right? So, so we try something different or we do something uh, new. Well, the problem with that is when the deficiency is inside of you, there is nothing external that is gonna help you feel better about you. You can lose the weight, you can get, well, I guess more hair for me. You can do all the changes you want in your life, but if it's inside that's messing with you, then it's going to stay messed up. Now, people argue, well, doesn't scripture tell us that, you know, we become new creations? And yeah, I believe that we are new creations and, and adopted into the family of God. But, but that doesn't change the fact that we are broken and still in a broken world. And there are human influences. And so what happened, and, and if I, let me, can I back up one second? Yeah. It can sound like what I'm doing is saying, look, we're all human, forgive us. And, and that's not really what I'm saying, although scripture does speak about, you know, a similar uh, situation. What I am saying is you can't discount the fact that we don't live in a vacuum and that that sometimes the stuff we do, we don't really want to do, but there's a compulsion inside of us. It's a sin nature, although it's not our nature anymore, so to speak. It's It's the crying for something else. And so all that to say, I would find myself either um, being promiscuous, uh, promiscuous rather, or, or trying to do more for other people just so I would be valuable. Hmm. And, and so I need that feeling. I want that feeling. Well, what are some easy ways to feel valuable? Well, sometimes it's, it's they're, they're cheaper ways. Um, some people use sex. Some people use pornography. And you say, well, how does that make you feel valuable? Well, you're not being rejected. Hmm. You can you can disappear from your reality for a minute, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. and so that's what I did. I did a lot of that. Um, and so when Shannon and I we started dating into sixteen, when we got married, my friend, we didn't know anything. I don't know about you, how much prep you had before 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 getting married. You know, we have kids to get married, and it's two things we really have almost no training in, right? right. And, and we didn't know, and we had our own issues. And so we get in that, we try to live life, but, but I wasn't sharing who I was with Shannon for two reasons. One, I was scared to death. Mm, sure. Look, I don't like the things of some of the things I know about me. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm, I'm going to tell that to you. What happens when I tell it to you? You know, everybody else in my life has left. And so I'm not justifying anything. I'm explaining how thoughts happen in there. So Shan and I get married. We're working the best we can. She really is is doing a, a marvelous job as being a human being. But I'm separating in intimately with her. I'm not, and I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about that ability to to be vulnerable, to open up, right? Mm -hmm. And so as I begin to do that bias of that, I can't trust her or open up to her, and then. I would ask her to do something and she'd forget. And then, well, she must not care about me. See, these are small things when you look at them later, but in the view of perspective, in the middle of time, they start piling up like a blizzard. And eventually we make the assessment, my wife, my husband, whatever, they don't love me anymore. 
So I, that's where I found myself. Is that where you were? Now, when I was a pastor. Uh, yeah, okay, and that's where I was going. Yeah. Uh, so I want to show people a book. I forgot to show them earlier. This is the book. Hope is where the heart is, and it, it's available. Yours is out already. Yeah. That's going to be out October eighteenth. We have October. a pre-release right now that's going on. Pre-release. Sorry about that. I've, I've got I'm juggling about four different books. So yours is yours is coming out. But you, and you talk about this, so I, I don't feel out of place, you know, asking this. But explain to people sort of the the professional or ministry track that you were on where you're a pastor and yet there's some things going on or about to go on that are going to blow up in your face yeah a part that i'm definitely not proud of in my life um and one has caused a lot of pain i was pastoring in new england at that point uh, we were a growing church um, i was working as an executive pastor within this church and uh just lots of things going. If you're a pastor or working a church out there, you know, there just seems to be stuff happening all the time. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, if you have a big church, it must be easier. And I said, well, no, if you have a bigger church, you just have bigger problems. <laughs> they just come along you don't get rid of them, so to speak. And so we're pastoring, things are going well there. You have to keep in mind, I had, and, and I'm afraid a lot of people do this, but I had just become, I fill a role. And it wasn't like I was faking, I wasn't being hypocritical. I just did what I did every day. Mm -hmm. And my idea of surviving, whether I was molested by my great grandmother or, or other people when I was a child or any of the things I've gone through, it's been a matter of if I can just get to tomorrow, we can make this work. My hope has always been if I can just get to tomorrow, it'll be it's a new day. We can make it work. Mm -hmm. And so I struggled in my life just wanting still to be accepted. Shannon and I had a decent marriage. We weren't fighting all the time and stuff like that. But by no means were we intimate in an area I was sharing who I really was with Shannon, sharing the fears I have. And in fact, I had started believing by this point that everybody in life will eventually mess you over. Hmm. Wow. Everybody. Wow. I had some people travel when I was, before I gone, had gone to this church, I had some people travel that were very close to me a number of hours just to meet with these people and tell them that I was a fake, I was a failure, it was a lie. I mean, it was crazy, the stuff we were going through. So I said, you know what, you can't trust anybody. And, and, and so I started just kind of being in myself. And I just do not believe God's created us to be alone. Yeah. in ourselves, We're created for fellowship. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I'm only listening and talking to myself. Yes, I'm talking to the God, but talking to God, but you hear yourself an awful lot. And so I'm busy working in church. I met someone there at this point that was a friend of mine. We talked a lot and it seemed like all of a sudden over a period of time, I say all of a sudden over a period of time, but it, it, I don't know when it happened in the middle of it, but I began to develop feelings for this other human. Mm -hmm. Um, the process of, of intimacy is if one person lowers their wall and then the other person lowers their wall, you start building intimacy with each other. If one doesn't, it doesn't happen. And I started doing that. She started doing that. And it led to a place where I came to the realization I no longer loved Shannon, but I was in love with this other woman. And uh, I remember very clearly walking into um, our home, um, and I had decided that day I was going to tell Shannon I was done. And I walked in the front door. I had come from, if I'm not mistaken, my office at the church. Mm -hmm. And I walked in. I asked Shannon to sit down. And I said, um, Shannon, no preparation, nothing. I said, um, I, I don't love you anymore. Ooh. 20 years of marriage. And, and, and her response? She sat back in her seat with her big brown eyes looking at me and said, what? Mm. She was, when I say blown away, blown away. She had no idea this was going on inside of me. I had become so good at faking my joy, faking my stuff, so to speak, that she had no idea that I was dying inside. And uh, I said, I don't love you anymore. In fact, I'm in love with someone else and it, it, it's your best friend. Oh, good Lord. Um, that hurts. I can't even imagine. Truthfully, I can't imagine. I One of the chapters in the book is called Shannon is the Hero. And um, <laughs> forgive me, but for the grace of God and the grace of my wife, um, I don't even think I'd be alive today. Um, 
some people are just on a self-destruct mode and it just takes them a while to get there. Um, I am so blessed to know that, um, that my wife forgives me and that my God forgives me. Now, there's a lot of people out there still pretty, pretty tick. Mm. And I wish I could do something about that. And I can't. But, but it was a pretty low place to go to. I, I, at that point said, look, we can't do this anymore. You know, we stayed together a little bit um, after that. Shannon was doing everything she can to get me to see that I'm like out of my mind. Mm -hmm. But I was thoroughly convinced at that point that I needed out of ministry, out of the church, out of that relationship. And then I was going to have this person. And in psychology, they call it a focused illusion. And basically it just means that if I have this thing, I'm going to be happy. Now we know that's not possible but I was thoroughly convinced about it. I was thoroughly convinced Shannon did not love me and there was no one I thought I would trust. So I just followed my own way. And we know scripture says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I led to. Two days later, I resigned my church, resigned my ordination. It took me years to obtain, mm -hmm. packed up my clothes and left the house. A lot of damage in the wake. Yeah. Uh, do you have kids at this point? No, we were never able to have children. We tried in vitro a few times. Shannon got pregnant a few times, but she always lost the baby um, in the process. Now, you want to add insult to injury. There was a period of time where uh, I, Shannon knew I was, I told her I, I no longer wanted to be married to her. And I was away. I'd left my briefcase at home. Shannon comes in, happens to look in my briefcase. It's not like she was snooping or being nervous, just looked in it. And there were cards in there from the other woman that said, I can't wait till we're together and that we can actually have children together. Oh, I cannot fathom how she felt when she read that. Huh. I, I can't, there's no way. I will never know that. Yeah. That kind of pain. So, I, I mean, people are going to have to get the book if they want all, all, all the <laughs> steps here because, I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a long process and, and fairly long, you know, just retelling it. But walk us through sort of the the, the after effects and how, because you're married to Shannon right now. I mean, yeah, the, well, in, something in November, big happened there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got undumb, but I, uh, there was a whole lot of, of things that went that went wrong, but also went right. And one of the things that I think that went really well was I was, I am blessed enough to be married to a human being who, who looks for ways to forgive. Hmm. Shannon didn't ever try to prove anything to me. Um, she looked for ways to forgive. I've heard people ask her, well, when did you forgive Jimmy? And she said, I started forgiving him right after he started doing stuff. Wow. I couldn't let it build up in me. So it's, it, it, it kind of happened, but so, so uh, you want me to add a little bit to that story for you about where we came from or what we were doing? Whatever you need to do to give to tell us <laughs> how God got you to a position of, of health again. Good. So basically I, um, I left, I left Shannon in new England, uh, with a house to sell, uh, the 2008 market had hit at that point, the, the crash, so to speak, our house was $50,000 under. Um, and so she was going to have to sell it, be there. I pretty much left and, and, People say, man, you really talk badly about yourself. Well, number one, it's the truth. I, I, I can't change it. Right. Number two, what I want people to see is no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done, there is still redemption. And I am grateful that during that time, as far as I ran and all the, the horrible behavior and stuff that I had, that God never deserted me in it. He never deserted me. And and so let me, I, let me ask you about that because I I would I mean if you if you are a Christian at this point you are obviously a ministry I, I was were you not tormented like I like the Holy Spirit like just because here, here's here's where I'm going with this you you know and we're talking about a lack of integrity would be uh, a phrase we might use to describe what was going on and if you look at the 100%. root of that word right it's where we get the word integer it, it's it's a whole number. And when we talk about disintegration, we talk about something that is fractured, that is broken, that is no longer whole. And the Bible speaks to this this quite a bit, but I mean, I gotta think that you are fractured in a way that is uh, miserable. Yeah, I think what happens there is you're miserable, but you don't know the reason. 
Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And and that presents its own problem. You got to realize, and I have to realize even only up until as soon as or as recently as three years ago, and, and I'm continuing to learn that I started discovering ways in which I see life. Hmm. Um, so I was fractured before any of my insanity occurred. Yeah, right. Um, sure. And I'm confident that I was an, an authority at compartmentalizing things, mm-hmm. you know, and and so I, I had done that for a period of time. Well, I think you know this. I think the explanation you have to, to to put in there is that when you are doing things in your life that are contrary to what you believe, right? So you're you're in opposition to your belief and your values. Um, you, one of two things has to happen. Okay, one is that you 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 need to adjust that, or you're going to get to a place called cognitive dissonance, and that's when the what you're doing intersects with what you believe. And when that happens, that cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. there's only really a couple of different changes that can happen there. One is you change what you're doing. So you go back into fidelity with what you believe because what you believe is really who you are. Mm-hmm. And so you change what you're doing to go back into fidelity to what you believe or you change yourself. Meaning? Many people change themselves. I'm no longer that person anymore. This is the person I am. Okay. And once you formulate that in your mind, now look, the Holy Spirit still comes. And granted, there were times where I felt convicted, times where things hit my heart. Um, uh, but I also believe that that God is, I don't know the word for it, uh, but but I told God, leave me alone. Yeah. So he, he stayed with me. He didn't bug me, so to speak. Right. But there were times he showed his presence in me. Did I remember it sometimes? Yes. But I was a different person at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, Scripture talks about quenching the Holy Spirit, um, grieving the Holy Spirit, and the hardening of the heart. And and so, I mean, that that is not that isn't a scriptural sort of process that you're talking about. And we see it in, in examples uh, in in Scripture of people hardening their hearts. And you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, reading some of the comments. Um, I mean, something had to happen though to break that. And that's where I'd like you to get what. Unless I'm missing some more vital information, but no, what, what no. I mean, I could talk about all the craziness, and you can read about some different examples in the book. Um, and and I know you're going to get hope from the book when you read it. Um, so so I'm a, I'm away. I'm I'm living in Virginia at this time with my parents, 40 years old plus, living in an 11 by 11 room, no money, no nothing, <laughs> gave everything up, and I'm living in this room. But I'm hopeful that I'm going to have this focused illusion that's going to come down there pretty soon. Well. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing that that happens. There's nothing that's guaranteed in life. And uh, and and one of the things that begin to occur, to occur is this woman beginning to begin to fall out of love with me. OK, now, later on, I think about it and it made a lot of sense, even if I just think about it from just a regular point of view. When she initially met me, I was popular, standing on stage, had the American dream, if, if I may. OK. Mm-hmm. And so the guy she got attracted to is not the guy she got mm-hmm. because the two things that created me, who I was, the person she saw, the two things that created that person was my faith in God and my wife. <laughs> and I'd left both oh, of those. Oh, so yeah. I was a totally different person. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally different person. So she breaks up with me. It was traumatic. I won't go into the details of that. It was traumatic. And at that point, I think I went on a bender for a little bit. I'm looking for anything to show that I matter because now I've left everything and then the thing I left for has left me. Mm-hmm. And some people sit out there and say, well, you deserve that. And, and maybe I did. But nevertheless, I was going through that time and, and I, I just went really deep for a minute. At some point, and I believe it was God, uh, I started thinking to myself, are you out of your mind? Which I was, it was almost rhetorical. I said to myself, you, (laughs) I was out of my mind. And I said, I've got to do something different about this. I just have to straighten my life out. Did I go back to God at that point? No. What I did was I just started changing some things in my life. Mm -hmm. Do I think that was God working in my life? 100%. -hmm. Okay. I don't have to recognize it's God for God to be doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, Shannon sent me a text and the text said something to the effect of, Hey, um, I just want you to know that um, I hope you're doing okay, and I think about you sometimes. Hmm. Now, this text came after about a three-month period that I told Shannon, do not text me, talk to me, unless it's about business. I don't want to hear your voice. Hmm. She sends this text. She's in an airplane flying to 
um, San Antonio, Texas for her brother's wedding with her father. They're talking on the airplane about this and she's saying, you know, her dad looks at her and says, you know, babe, you might want to just let this go. I don't think it's going to happen. And she says, dad, I just can't. I believe God's doing something here. They land. And while they were in the air, I had replied to her. (laughs) Sometimes I think about you too. Thank you. Mm. Shannon landed just having this conversation with her dad. It pops. She looks and it's me talking back. She calls me right away. And when she calls me, she says, hey, I got your text. And listen, I'm thinking to myself, what did I just do? Am I, I must be crazy, you know, um, because I didn't have any romantic love for her or even concern at that point. And, and she says, hey, you know, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing okay. You know, broke up and I'm, I'm, I'm single now, blah, blah, blah. We're talking. And she says, well, would you like to talk a little more? And I said, well, we could talk sometimes. You know, let me know. She said, well, why don't you come to San Antonio? <laughs> oh. I said, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, with all okay. with all of her family. Yeah, you just <laughs> well, and yeah, right. You're in Texas, you know. They you can you can be killed in Texas just because they you had it coming to you. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, the the guns at weddings aren't for protection; they're for fun. <laughs> so you know, pardon me taking a drink there, but <laughs> so it's. So think about it. This is her brother's wedding, right? Shannon just wanted the opportunity. I've never met a person with more vision in my life than Shannon when it came to this. Because every indicator and every person said, you're dumb. Stop. Mm -hmm. So she says, you want to come to San Antonio? And I said, well, I can't come to San Antonio. Your brother's getting married. I don't think they want me at that wedding. Not to mention, I was supposed to be performing the wedding. Oh, geez. But I'm no longer a minister because I had an affair and I left. So I said, I don't think it'd be a good idea if I come up. She said, you know, you're, you're probably right. Let's, maybe you should come up now. And she said, but what about after? I said, I'm sorry, what? She said, what about after? I said, uh, I, I don't know. She said, well, let me talk to my parents real quick. She talked to her parents. She said, uh, they said this. And Grace is amazing. Mm-hmm. Both her parents said, if Jimmy's finished and he wants to come have a conversation, he could come here with his head held high. Wow. I, I'm blessed. I said, well, I still can't come, Shannon. She said, well, why? You're being hard-headed again. What, why won't you come? I said, well, I don't have the money to come. And she said, do you have something to write with? And I said, yeah. She said, write down my credit card number. Oh, my gosh. And she bought my ticket to fly to San Antonio a few days later for us to talk. Wow. I've never met another human like this. <laughs> and so... <clears throat> We fly there, we talk. I'm not ready to get back because I don't know why I did what I did. I'm not, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm totally confused. We go to a, a workshop. I meet this guy. We go to a workshop and Shannon finds it. We go to a, 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 this marriage. It's not just an, in, a, an encounter. This is a three-day intensive, like, get-in-your-face workshop type thing. Day one's no big deal. In fact, I told her, why am I going to this? I used to teach this. <laughs> Day two. The guy starts talking and sharing about his life, and I thought he was just reading what I did. You ever been like that? Been somewhere oh, like that? Wow. Yeah, it's like no. he's reading. <laughs> he's reading my book. I mean, he's reading it, and he starts explaining. And I looked at Shannon at that moment. And I said, "We can do this." Now I understand. Did that mean it was hunky dory afterwards? No, man. It was rough. There was backsliding. There was screw ups. There was mess ups. There was fights. Um, um, but. We didn't quit, and we learned these tools, understanding each other, understanding our weaknesses, understanding our obligation as Christians towards God, and then exercising those things has led us on a path, on a journey to where I actually believe that we are infinitely more intimate now than we've ever been. Um, I'm really not afraid to share with Shannon my deepest struggles and desires. I don't think she is with me either. Um, it's brought us to a whole new place in our relationship that I can't describe. In fact, what I tell people is we're in our second marriage. The first marriage sure. needed to die. And this has been a resurrected new marriage of Jim and Shannon. And, uh, and, and it's the one that's working like we can't imagine. And we don't want people to look at our marriage and say, we want you, we're going to be like a marriage like yours, please. Do not do that. You have no idea who, what's going on there. Make your marriage the model marriage you want. Make your relationships the model relationships you want. Don't make us a, a poster child for it. Make us encouragement saying, you know what? Where they are, what they've done, if that's what they've been, here's where I'm, I can do this. We can do this. That's what we want people to grab and hope is where the heart is. 
So I, I hear I hear the redemption. I hear that God can take any situation, put it back together. There are some things, though, that had to happen with you, and I'm curious how they happened um, because you you were a different person, and you you that different person couldn't fake it for the last 13, 14 years. You had to become a different person again. Was there, was there yeah. one-on-one counseling, marriage counseling? Was there, what, what all happened in you to reintegrate you, not just in your marriage, but as Jim Porto? It's a great question. Uh, there's a, a bunch of things there. Some of it had to do with a self-limiting belief I had. Um, I was raised in a faith background that said, if you seek help for mental issues or struggles you have in your thinking, you lack faith. Yeah. You could do anything else, diabetes, whatever. But if, if you, if you needed medicine or you need something for what's up here, you don't serve the Jesus I serve. I've actually had a pastor of mine say that. Oh, right? wow. And I've ha- I had that in my mind. Right. So, so when I first went to a counselor and they said, listen, you have a deficiency in some chemicals that we need to address. So I had to get that mindset out of my mind that, that I, and I'm not talking about something that numbs me. I'm on a medication, uh, an SSRI. Um, and, and that helps me to keep my serotonin in a place where I'm not extreme in my thinking, which helps me think better. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. The spirit, let me, the first thing that happened is God got a hold of me and I gave my life to Christ. Um, and, and that, that is a big piece of it. But again, I had to do my part. And so I discovered that I needed medication to help me. And I still take medication to this day. There's still a little tinge in me that when I say that, I want to stop almost right? because it's sick. You know what I mean? Um, but it's, but it's true and it helps just like a diabetic person takes insulin and it helps me be the person that, that I need to be. You you still wear, you still wear glasses so that you can see better and you have no shame in that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And and I need to remind myself, I thank you for reminding me of that. It's the absolute truth, yeah. right? Yeah. And it doesn't diminish God's ability. And I actually believe scripture speaks immensely about the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, he's constantly telling us what we need to do. And that's what I started doing. Um, we're actually working on a book for next year on mindset mm-hmm. um, and not just grabbing a scripture and trying to make it your meme for the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I had someone say, I could, uh, I can do anything through a scripture taken out of context right. as long as I need it. <laughs> right. You know. Right. And, and all I'm saying in that, and, and I'm not trying to pull down anybody there. What I am saying though, is there's an application process that comes with God's word. Yeah. And what I realized is that I had to do my part there. You know, mm-hmm. scripture says, cast down imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity, every thought. Jesus speaks about it, Paul. So I had to start doing that. And that was not an easy task because I had to start learning about how I thought mm-hmm. and how I had some misconceptions about me, um, how I had some biases against Shannon still after we got back together. Mm-hmm. So we did counseling together um, uh, with my mentor, Joe Beam. Um, uh, we uh, also had counseling individually. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually uh, spoke with um, a clinician that helped with, with um, a couple different techniques in working with it. Um, and that was very, very helpful for us. Um, so a combination of spiritually getting ourselves in place, um, getting the knowledge of who I was as a person struggling um, and then together learning the tools we needed to deal with each other has led us to a different place. And it really is a different place because of what we've learned and learned how to deal with today's life uh, issues. Do you have a discipline in your life that you didn't have before? Yeah, I think the discipline I have now, and, and, and let, me, let me be clear, eh, it'd be tough to call it a discipline. <laughs> But the discipline I have now is, um, is that I have that I'm I'm trying to realize. So I'm reminding myself, and this may not seem like a discipline to other people, but I have to remind myself that to be authentic. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, don't change yourself to make that other person like. Yeah. Don't change yourself so that that you'll get their approval. And you know, if there are pastors out there, which I sure that I'm listening, you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. beyond the normal person because. You try so hard to, to, to bless people, to make them happy, to make them, you know, be happy in their relationship with God. And one of the things we miss in that is that it's not a relationship with us. It's a relationship with God. We can be responsible to people, but we can't be responsible for people. Mm -hmm. So that's one discipline I have. 
Um, another discipline I have is quiet time. I've got to get away. Now, people call that prayer, meditation. They call it reading scripture. I, I do a bunch of things dear, during that time, right? Um, but it's a time so I can clear my my mind and set my, my intention for the day. Um, and that's really important for me. I believe it's important for most people to be intentional in their day. Um, and I've cut some things out of my life. Um, I've cut the negatives out of my life. Uh, I've cut news out of my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I watch some news online and stuff, but I don't really watch the news anymore. I don't watch those kind of things. And the reason I don't is because it lends to the negative mindset that I even think of myself yeah. and yeah. the world. Yeah. And, and we don't need that, man. We need hope in this world. That's what we really need. And yeah. there's hope in Christ. And there's also hope in, in, in the humans that are around us because together we really can make a difference. That's why church is supposed to be so powerful. And, and I don't know... The other day I heard someone say to me, and I'll shut up on this, but man, they told me, they said, you know, the biggest masquerade ball that was ever held is every Sunday at church. <laughs> and I thought, so I don't true. know if it's totally true, sure. but there's some truth to that. And that's that's painful that we go to a place where we should be able to be open and we find ourselves kind of hiding there. And I think that that if God would speak to us, one of the things that he would say is, come as you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I grew up with all sorts of my, – my eyes were continuously changing. I mean, in, in, in my 30s, my retinas, a few years apart, detached. I mean, so I've, I've had all sorts of physical issues when oh, it comes wow. to vision. Right, okay. So, yeah, surgery, medicine, all that stuff. At one point <laughs> when I was a kid, I actually – you know, they sit you in a room and you have to wait before you do the eye test. I got up and I read the eye chart. And so when I sat back down – and they asked me to read the eye chart. I, I quoted the eye chart because I could memorize a string of letters and chirp it back to you, right? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I mean, you know, I, I, they, they figured out pretty quick that I couldn't see because they switched to the next one, and I didn't know what that one was. Uh, so you know, I wasn't, wasn't fooling anybody here. But, but my point is that I think sometimes we go, we go to church like we would go to the doctor, except we try to fool everybody in the church so oh, that they think so we're okay good. when the reality is we're never going to get the help we need until we walk in and go, I, I, you know, the, the letters are fuzzy. I can't see. I've got this. I don't know what to do about this. You're not going to get help if you're, if you're faking it. And, and I think it's true. <laughs> it really is. It's like going into the emergency room and they say, Hey, what's, what's going on? I'm yeah, not fine. Yeah, I'm good. I just wanted to stop in. You know, I like <laughs> the, I, and it sounds ludicrous in that sense. I get it. Yeah. But it really is similar when you think about, mm -hmm. you know, about Jesus. The scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means when we were the worst we could be, God sent his son. Mm -hmm. He's not going to desert us now, okay? And so to be, to be able to come in and trust. Now, can you trust everybody? Probably not. Yeah. But to find someone you can be authentic with, I think, is key. And we found some people in our life. There's not a lot that we can be authentic with. I can tell them I'm having a bad day and I just really want to hang out. They don't expect me to be perfect. Um, and I think that's a key. And, you know, there was only one perfect person in the entire, you know, existence of time, right? Yeah. yeah. And and it's probably because he didn't get married. So, uh, oh, no, no, I'm kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> it's because he didn't It's because he didn't have kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the next step, I know. It's like, uh, you know, I, people are looking at me and go, man, all you were was married and you screwed it up that bad. How, how you know, what if you had kids? And I do understand that. You know, if I just want people to look at us and say, you know, Jim and Shannon are really normal or regular people. Now, maybe not normal, but regular. And they, and they come from, Jim comes from a really messed up background. When you read in the book, Hope is Where the Heart is, when you read the, the part about my background, you're at some point you may go, is this true even? Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if it is, but but it is. And And what I want people to see is, you know, God's no respecter of persons. He's going to work in your life if you will ask him, if you will trust him. He is a forgiving God. And you know what? People are more forgiving than you think if you'll just be true about it. You know, the lion's not going to help. The covering up's not going to help. God, I've tried that so many times, and it just gets worse, Yeah. you know? Um, and, and that's important. And so um, I want people to be able to look at us and just be able to say, hey, these are regular people, and they not just made it, but they're thriving. They love their relationship. They're growing. They have bad days and good days. But you know what? Hope moves them on. It's an expectation 
that something is going to happen. And that's how we feel. Something good is going to happen. So tomorrow, I don't know what's going to happen. Today's amazing, okay? I'm sitting here talking to you. I get to talk to some people about faith. I get to talk to people about being uh, living a good life, uh, about success. I get to share my hope with them. I'm excited about what tomorrow's going to bring because I don't even know what it is, but I'm, I'm alive. There's something at tomorrow. And that moves me to the next day. And I hope someone here can take a look and say, you know what? Tomorrow, God said, sufficient enough is the grace for today. Yeah. Address your day, believe for tomorrow that it can be better and make the changes and choices to do that. Yeah. And I promise it'll make a difference in your life. Yeah. I mean, Scripture tells us that, that the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And I know a lot yes. of people... Uh, they recognize that or they want to believe that they want to go straight to the resurrection. And the reality <laughs> is sometimes you got to go through the grave. You got to crucify the old man. You got to be laid out for the world to see, and you got to let God raise you up. And if you, you know, if you're watching out there and you're like, you know, I wish I could be where that guy is. Uh, my wife no. doesn't act anything like his wife did, you know, <laughs> the reality is if you if you will just lay your life down god he, god is a god of life and restoration that's his goal he's not going to crucify you he's going to mm -hmm. raise you up but you got to let go and and then he can do the, start doing the good work and and i see a lot of that in your story jim that, that when you finally let go of things and started doing the hard work of reconciliation of uh, self going you know self wholeness of, of getting rid of the negatives and filling it with the positive not just getting rid of the bad things but filling it with the good things you know that's important too that that's how you got yeah. where you're at and it's still a journey for you oh i was gonna say people go oh look where you are i'm like where am i i i'm still going man yeah exactly <laughs> you know, i don't know who you woke up with this morning but i woke up with me and and i wasn't impressed when i woke up okay i still have to grow and you know, people are like, well, you got back with your wife and, and you got back with, with in your faith and you did all these things. And, and in their mind, it happened in 24 hours. <laughs> Clients all the time are talking about, the, you know, there's three questions. Are we, is, are we the worst you've ever talked to? Is there hope? Um, and how long is this going to take? <laughs> yeah, it's going to take a while. <laughs> you know, yeah, I always tell people it took 10 years to mess your marriage up. Give me five <laughs> to right. fix it. Right. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. <laughs> but, yeah. You know. <laughs> Unfortunately, we get people uh, when they're done, you know, yeah, uh, sure. people take so long to get there when they're done, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm still growing in my view of myself. If I don't maintain my faith in it, if I don't maintain my my vision in it, then I'll backslide back into the same mentality. You know, this isn't like you get somewhere and you're locked into there. You know, it's not some game show. Where you're locking in at 25 grand and you stay there even if you lose. Right. You know, this is a until we until we pass away and step over, we're going to struggle. We're going to work in this life to be what we're called to be, um, and we're going to fail. It's not an excuse to fail. We're going to fail. But in our failure, if we can realize that that is a fail, it is an event, but it doesn't define me. Okay, it doesn't define me. Um, yeah. I'm going to get up, I'm going to be forgiven, and I'm going to take my next steps. Yeah, and it, it, as long as you're oriented towards God, you're going to fail up. And, and it's a lot easier to, to get up than, than failing much. down. Right? Much. So, yeah, yeah. Much. Man, Jim, I appreciate you opening up. I appreciate the, the work that you're doing, and I would encourage you in, in your walk and in your daily journey and the daily struggle. And, and it's funny because I asked you about disciplines, and you said, nah, and then you listed a bunch of things that are very real disciplines. <laughs> and and I, I, maybe you just hadn't thought about it in those terms. But that's, I really haven't, to yeah, be honest. That, that, that's what I want people to realize is that there are very practical things mm -hmm. that change everything. And the battle's right here because your words and your actions. The mind actions, is everything. Your words and your actions come straight out of your brain. And, and so getting this right, both with God and even with the physical components, you know, medication if necessary, get, get that right. And, and then you can do the daily things and the disciplines that will take you to a place else. So, man, I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for taking the Thank time you, to share. And, and, uh, I'll remind people next month, hope is where the heart is. 
Um, October 19th is being released. October 19th. Uh, 18th, sorry, I said 18th. 19th. 18th, I don't know why I said the 19th. 18th. Um, in addition to that, for anybody that's interested on on this particular uh, uh, broadcast or what people are listening to now, we set up a special URL if they go to the website um, that they can um, uh, be have access for the pre-sale and take a look at that. It's just for you guys. It's uh, jimporto.com forward slash live today. Oh, okay. So there's jimporto.com on your screen. Just uh, add a little life today to the end of it. And who knows what will happen? Good things. <laughs> I hope some great things. Um, we, we are just believing that what we're going to hear from this are people who are, have good marriages, have bad marriages, but our reviews on it have been from singles, 25 up and everything mm. that people will see that there is hope and that you can do this. Yeah. And that's what you got to hear. There is hope. And, and I do believe that the only way you're going to get to where you, you have happiness and wholeness. And when I say happiness, I mean, joy, not pleasure. Right. Uh, and, and peace and purpose and all those good things is, is if you first put your hope in Christ and Christ alone. So if you haven't done that, I, I don't know what people that. do without that. I don't honestly don't. I, I, I yeah, no, I, I don't know where to go from there. Uh, mm -mm. That's another conversation for another day, and, and we will have <laughs> Thank it. you again for having me. Absolutely, man. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you sharing. Appreciate all you guys out there watching. Um, you might know someone that needs to hear this, uh, and I would encourage you, go ahead and just hit share and go, look, look what God did in their lives, and, and look what he can do in yours. Love covers a multitude of sins, the Bible tells us. Uh, that doesn't mean that the sins are, you know, not sins. It, it means that God's love is greater. And as you can see with Jim's wife, Shannon, when we exhibit God's love, it covers mm -hmm. sins in other people's lives. So there is hope. Hit share, hit like, hit follow, hit subscribe if you haven't done that now. And check out Hope is Where the Heart Is. Pre-order it. Maybe make it a gift. Awkward one, but one that could change someone's life. And come back. We've got more for you here on Life Today Live. We'll see you again next time. I want to know what God has to say. I want to know this book. It's the only book he ever wrote. You need to know the Word of God. You need to know what God's book says. It's God's Word, brother. It's your food. It's God's book.